The John Morris Show, episode 146. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. How about them Huskers, A eh? Number six in the country. Although, I think these next two weeks are going to be a little bit rough on the road at Wisconsin and Ohio State. So, uh, could be changing very quickly. I just hope we keep it close and can stay in the top of 15. I mean, that would be a pretty big accomplishment after going 5-7 and seven last year. But, I'm going to enjoy it right now. 7-0, and oh, number six in the country. Ranked higher than Ohio State right now. So... I'm going to enjoy that while it lasts for the next five days or so. Anyway, got a fun show for you today, I think. Uh, if you haven't heard the Chicago Cubs, I'm kind of on a sports theme, I guess, here to start off. But we're going to get into the lessons here for you as a developer. But the Chicago Cubs are headed back to the World Series for the first time since 1945. And before you roll your eyes and click away, no, I don't really care about baseball either. I mean... To me, baseball is barely a sport, but I was, it's kind of been all over, you know, I, I'm into sports, so I watch ESPN, I listen to the radio shows and the talk shows and Sports Center and all that stuff. Anyway, on the Mike and Mike show this morning, they had Joe Madden on and, you know, they were talking about kind of his thought process going through this, how the Cubs were able to get back to the World Series after 71 years and... You know, kind of after a fan base that had, and probably even a clubhouse management, you know, that had kind of seemed to embrace the idea of the curse, that they were cursed and that they were doomed to never win a playoff game, get to the playoffs, uh, make it to the World Series, win a World Series, etc. Seemed to kind of almost embrace that mentality. I have friends and family who are Cubs fans and it's every year it'd be like, well, that's just the Cubs. And so they were talking to him about it. And I think there's some really important lessons for all of us in chasing our dreams, our careers, the lifestyles we're after, etc. I think he had some really important things to say that can be applied to really any aspect of our, uh, of your life. And, and uh, kind of some stuff that came up for me as I was listening to it. Because it reminds me of my first few years in web development. I kind of had that same curse mentality and it led to a lot of frustration and you know some periods where I seriously considered giving up and it made my journey into an IT career take much longer than it needed to and I I get I get emails I get people who unsubscribe from my emailing list and whenever you do that it asks you for a comment as to why or whatever and, you know, I get people who are like, I'm getting out of IT, I'm done with IT, I'm done with coding, etc. I get those almost every single day. And so I know there's a lot of you out there who have come to that point as well. And it's really sad to see that many people kind of giving up on coding and web development and IT, uh, you know, on a daily basis. And so, again, it all just reminds me of those periods, those dark periods that I kind of went through where I felt that exact same way. And how much longer things took for me than it needed to because I was just, I just kept spinning my wheels and I was getting nowhere. You know, I was, I was working hard. I was putting in long hours. I was doing all the things people say to do to be successful in something, but I was on a hamster wheel. So I 
got nowhere. And it was all because, kind of the important thing here to, to really get through this, is it was all because of how I approached it. And like I said, I see a lot of other developers that are out there doing the same thing. And I want to save you from those pitfalls. And I want I want you to sidestep those traps and get where you want to go faster than you might otherwise get there. And I think the situation with the Cubs and the things that Joe Madden was talking to talking about on that radio show this morning are very applicable to that particular situation. So we're going to kind of draw that out and we're going to get into that today. Plus, I got another listener comment that I think is motivating as hell. So I want to I want to go into that a little bit uh, at the in the last segment and, and dive into that. But before I do all of that, I'm going to get myself in trouble a little bit here because I want to go into again. I you know I want to go into a, a email I sent out the other day in my newsletter. Now again, if you're new to the show. You can head over to johnmorrisonline.com and sign up for my newsletter there. I send out daily tips focused really on two things, teaching you how to code and then how to turn your coding skills into a career because I think ultimately that's what we're after. Like Most of us aren't coding for our health. We're coding to turn it into a career because we love doing it and so you'd love to be able to code on a daily basis for your job. So those are kind of the two things that I talk about and it's daily tips over there. And so again, it's johnmorrisonline.com. You'll see it right at the top. You also get access to my free PHP course over there as well. But in one of the emails that I sent out recently, I talked about what's called the man tax. Now, I guess I'm supposed to say trigger warning here because for those of you who are the super sensitive uh, you have to think a certain way, otherwise you're a sexist, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're probably not going to like this one. You may, in fact, want to skip this one or probably better yet, just unsubscribe <laughs> from the show because uh, I'm not going to be afraid to talk about this stuff and I have, have my point of view and, well, it's my show, so we're going to talk about it. So anyway, I was so I was reading the other day that apparently there's this pharmacy in New York that started charging a 7% man tax on all its products. And the point was to bring awareness to what's called the pink tax, which is, as I understand, is a tax on certain women's items like tampons and stuff like that. And then what I call, they also want to bring awareness to what I call the mythical gender wage gap. And so they're, they they had posted these signs saying that uh, women could shop tax-free, men had to pay a 7% tax. And so they were calling it the man tax. Now, as you dig into the story, you come to find out they weren't actually charging uh, the men a 7% extra tax. But the owner did say that she was giving women a 7% discount. So in a way, they kind of still were, although it wasn't exactly how they're promoting it. So the whole thing was about awareness. And so in their, their words, they said, we wanted to share that women deserve to get a break and men deserve to be charged 7% more. Women are spending more in general and we make less, so we deserve to have a break. Now, it's obvious to anybody with half a brain that the whole 70 cents on the dollar thing that gets bandied around and people talk about, that whole wage gap thing is a lie. It's just not true. Uh, I mean, there's been it's been reported that staffers in the Obama administration have even talked to him about 
not saying that anymore because it just looks really bad because it's so not true. You still have media people and all these that are going around as if this is actually true. It's been debunked time and time again by Forbes, by the Wall Street Journal. There was even, I think, a, a political, a PolitiFact or one of the fact checkers out there that generally tend to, to be uh, sensitive towards more liberal point of views that was like, this is a really bad one. There was even a Harvard professor, which Harvard is not some bastion of you know conservatism that have all looked into this and have pointed out that when you look, a lot of the wage cap can be accounted by the fact that men just simply work more hours. When you work more hours, you're going to make more money. And that's a choice that they make. And so when you start to look into it, it's, you know, it's just, it's not true at all. But that's not really the point here. I want to make a larger point. And I think it's one that you can learn from regardless of your political leanings. So let's just imagine for a second that that wage gap were actually real. And let's say that it affected whatever gender you happen to be, because I know most of you reading or listening to this are probably male, given the demographics. So let's let's imagine it were a, a man tax as the 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 one that that uh, that pharmacy was instituting. So let's say there were a, a you know seventy seven cents on the dollar man tax or whatever. If that were the case, you'd have two options for dealing with it. And as a matter of fact, I believe that you have these same two options for any issue that you might face in life. The first option is to complain and constantly look outside yourself to others to fix it. And you can protest, you can picket, you can riot, you can do whatever you want to do to bring attention to your cause, to get politicians, CEOs, you know, those evil men or women, whoever's the responsible, whoever to fix the problem. You can look outside of yourself to someone else to fix the problem, or you can look within. You can take control and do it yourself. You can take the power over your wage out of their hands and you can place it squarely in your hands because you know where you won't find a gender wage gap. You won't find a gender wage cap gap in the paychecks that I, I write to myself every month from my own business. You won't find it in the prices I charge for my services or my online courses. You won't find it in the bonus that I give to myself every year at Christmas. You won't find any evil, meddling, sexist pig that's going to interfere there because I have control of it. And you can have that same control. It's what psychologists call an internal versus external locus of control. So straight from the psychology encyclopedia, a person with an internal locus of control believes that he or she can influence events and their outcomes, while someone with an external locus of control blames outside forces for everything. And people with an external locus of control tend to be happier, more successful, healthier, and so on. But people with an external locus of control tend to get depressed more easily, feel hopeless and helpless, and have a harder time breaking free of all of that. And the phrase that I use with my boys and my wife constantly, and you can ask them because they'll tell you this because I say this all the time, I blame myself for everything. And I do. Everything that happens to me that I look at and say, I don't like this, I blame myself. I find a way to blame myself. Instead of slithering and sliding to try and find a way to blame somebody else, I slither and slide to try and find a way to blame me. 
Because it's only by doing that that I give myself a way to address the problem. That's the only way that I can empower myself. If it's somebody else's fault, then it's somebody else's responsibility. And I have absolutely no control over them. There's nothing I can do to make them. All I can do is ask. I can beg. I can cajole. I can try and force. But at the end of the day, it's up to them to decide whether to do it or not. So if I can find my role in it, I can do something to change the outcome. And that brings me to the point. It doesn't really matter if the wage gap is real or not, because your approach should be the same. Don't give other people power over your life. You take control of it. Regardless of the circumstances in which you find yourself, whether it's your gender, your ethnicity, where you happen to live, it doesn't matter. What can you do to change it? Now, speaking of taking control, if you're ready to get out of the dead-end job that you might be in that you hate, and you want to finally take control of your career, you want to write your own checks every month, then I believe that the first big step out is learning PHP. And I believe, you know, in my not-so-humble opinion, <laughs> that my course PHP PHP 101 is a effective first step to start down that path to the kind of coding talent that can truly set you free. So if you'd like to learn more about that course and enroll, you can head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. And again, take that first big step towards you taking control of your career, your life, your income, etc. All right. Coming up, we're going to get into learning how to be successful from Joe Madden, how to get through that kind of I'm cursed mindset, how to deal with the frustration and the, the, the annoyance that can kind of almost cause you to quit as a web developer when you're first starting to learn. So we're going to get into that in the next segment. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I asked them a very specific question. I asked them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, et cetera. And then I get people probably on the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this, since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day cooking chicken, imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? 
I hope your answer would be a resounding yes. Because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you, but I remember what it was like when I was coming up. And the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time unless you wanted to read through a 500-page PHP manual, which I didn't want to do. But today, not only is that option available, but it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate, and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can, If you want to get into all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python, and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into a an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. The job opportunities are huge, and there's companies out, out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com php. You can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks. Head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php, and let's get started with your PHP career. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So this segment, I want to get into uh, these comments by Joe Madden on Mike and Mike. It was just earlier this morning. And how they apply or how you can take what he said. I mean, look, this is this is a high-level professional game, right? These are people performing at the highest level. And so I've always believed that there's a lot that, you know, even in high school and college playing sports, there's a lot of lessons that you can take from that that then apply to other parts of your life. Well, you can also look at other people who are playing a sport or something at the highest level and take a lot from from what they're doing. Sometimes it's what to do, sometimes it's what not to do. But again, I think it's, you know, when people are performing at a very, very high level, there's a lot of lessons that the rest of us can take from that. So if you're not familiar with the Cubs history, you know, they, the last World Series that they won was in 1908. And they were in some fairly consecutive World Series after that, like 1910, 1918, 29, I think a couple in the 30s. But the last World Series that the Cubs had ever been to, had was nineteen forty five. So they had they haven't been to a World Series since then. And if I remember correctly, there's even a streak in there where they hadn't made the playoffs. And then there's another streak where they hadn't won a playoff series. I think even one where they hadn't won a playoff game for a certain amount of time. And so there was all there was all these streaks related to essentially failure and them not being able to have success in the postseason. And then there were you know there were different situations uh, where they would consider, you might consider, or, or where you'd get into the talk of them being cursed. Uh, Steve Bartman was a fan who reached out to grab a, I think it was a pop, uh, a foul ball, and ended up getting in the way of the the Cub player trying to grab it, and they missed it, and then it led to 
you know, there was a series of events that led to the Cubs ultimately losing. There's been some other situations like that. Again, I'm not not really a baseball or Cub fan, so I'm not deep, deep into it. But to give you the context, it's been kind of this series of, you know, this this long kind of line of postseason failure and then some events in there that kind of made Cub fans start to feel like maybe they were cursed. And so last year kind of kind of broke the lid on that a little bit because they made the playoffs. I think they won the first series and they won like the first series they were in. And so it was the first time they had actually won a series in the playoffs in a long time, but they still didn't make it to the world series. And so it's been since 1945 since they made it to the world series. And now this year they are in the world series and Joe Madden, you know, they've they've been doing some rearranging with their roster and, and their their manager and so forth. And so Joe Madden, who kind of has a successful uh, history, was brought in just two years ago to take over the Cubs and try and break all of this up. And he's known as a guy who kind of fiddles with team psychology. So you know, he, he was a Tampa Bay, I believe it was. He was there and uh, was known for kind of doing things to kind of alleviate pressure, keep guys focused, just messing with psychology to try and to to keep his guys focused and and winning games ultimately. And so he's kind of been known as a guy that that does that kind of thing. So it was kind of fascinating when he was brought into the Cubs, this team that seems to almost have bought into this idea of being cursed. And then here you bring in this guy that is really focused on psychology and battling those sorts of things. So it's been a kind of interesting dynamic. And then you see they make the playoffs last year. They they win a series. Now they're uh, this year in his second year, they're in the World Series. And I believe they're pretty heavy favorites to win the World Series this year. So again, all of that context to illustrate, there's probably a few lessons that we can pick up from this guy about dealing with the 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 ghosts that we often tend to face all of us in our lives chasing things that we really want whether that's a you know a, a world series or it's an IT career or it's a certain kind of lifestyle or it's a certain kind of income or even relationships and so forth there's probably some things that we can pick up from a person like that that we can use and implement in our own lives and so he was on the show and Mike Golick asked him, so to get to the meat of it, Mike Golick asked him, you're the manager of a team that's trying to do something that hasn't been done since 1908, which, like I said, is to, for the Cubs to win a World Series. Do you feel pressure? And Joe Madden says, I'm going to say something, and you might not believe it, but it's all about the process. I just got to trust the process at that moment. What have you done throughout your entire professional career to get to that point. So why change or rely on something else? And don't become outcome oriented. If you want to feel pressure, if you want to feel expectations, then just think about winning and just think about the income and you're going to feel all that stuff. But if you can just focus on moments and what's the next right thing to do and do that often enough, eventually you win. Which, so there's there's two parts of this. One, you hear a lot of coaches say that, you know, if you, you hear someone talk to say Nick Saban, who's been really successful in college football, or probably even Phil Jackson. If you talk to 
to to them about basketball or if you ask the players like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or LeBron or some of the other, you know, uh, Tom Brady and all these other players, it's kind of cliche for them to say, well, you got to focus on the process. You got to focus on the process. In fact, they say it, you know, it, it's cliche because so many coaches and players say it. And so it can become easy to ignore and kind of roll your eyes and go, oh yeah, focus on, like every coach says that. But when I hear it and I look at that, what's, what I think is, well, if they're all saying it, then maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's not cliche necessarily, but maybe they all say it because that's actually how they're able to perform at a such a high level. Remember, these are all professional athletes. You know, we we rag on a, a team or somebody who hasn't won a Super Bowl for X number of years. Well, let's not forget they're in a league of other professional athletes and what it takes just to get to be a professional athlete, let alone perform at a high level. So the fact that so many of these people in that that situation say this same thing, you know, you might want to pay attention. You might take that as an indicator that that's actually what they do. And that's how they're able to, or at least one of the reasons why they're able to perform at the level that they do. So after he said that and they kind of finished the interview, Mike Greenberg, who's the, you know, the other host of the show, uh, said something and, and used an analogy that I thought was really great and kind of help us to dive into this a, a little bit more. So he said, when you hear him say things like it's the process, that's a lesson you can apply to anything. Granted, the result at the end of the day is what matters. If you tell someone, yeah, I played golf yesterday, the first question they'll ask is, what did you shoot? But you can't go in, into it saying, I want to shoot 72, because what you have to be thinking about is the process. I got to play this shot, then this shot, then this shot, and eventually the result works itself out. And so this all reminds me kind of my first few years in web development. And so I want to tell you I want to tell you a little bit about that and how it relates to all of this and hopefully you can draw the lessons out of it for where you're at in 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 your career. Because I definitely started out having a very results-oriented mindset and it really really cost me and I want you to be able to avoid those pitfalls and not make those same mistakes. So when I first started online, it wasn't as a developer. That's not what first got me into coding and, and, and working online and so forth. I was, it was really information marketing and I wanted to be an information marketer. I had, had met a guy online who was selling some, some products online, some information online. And this was when I was, uh, mobile or I was deployed to Iraq. And so I had, you know, I had some downtime when we weren't doing our thing and so I was, you know, getting online, trying to find all sorts of information, handsome information I want, and I paid for it. And it really, really intrigued me. So I got to talking about it with him, and he explained how it all worked and so forth. And it just, it really intrigued me. I was like, really? You can make money from the internet? And he was making good money. And so I decided, and he had kind of convinced me, but I had also decided I want to try this. And so that's what I first got online and involved in all this to do was just kind of your typical internet marketing approach back in 2004, 2005. And of course, back then, all my friends and family, everybody I knew thought I was crazy. 
They're like making money on the internet. Really? The internet? No way. Right. So they thought I was, everybody around me thought I was crazy, but I did it anyway. And I probably went through 20 to 30 different ideas that I had of different sites, different information products I could create and so forth. I mean, I had a site on uh, yoga, although I'm not, even though I'm not some like, uh, I was into yoga a little bit, but I wasn't some master yogi, but I had created a, a, a site on yoga and information product on yoga. I had uh, a make money online through MySpace site that I had built that actually did pretty well, but I turned it off because it was basically I was teaching people how to spam on MySpace, which <laughs> that was a big mistake to even uh, again. I was young early on, but I had that kind of site. I had I started creating what I would call a local kind of Groupon. This was before Groupon itself existed. I had this idea of of coupons for lo- the site where you could coupons for local businesses and so forth. And there was just all sorts of things that I never followed through on. I had good, I, I thought good ideas, but I never followed through on it. And the reason why was my focus was on making money. It wasn't on providing value or doing something that I was really passionate about. It wasn't getting into something that I actually had talent in, where I actually had something to offer. You know, all the things that actually mattered, that wasn't my focus. My focus was, am I making money and am I making money right away and am I making a bunch? I was focused on the result, the money, and that's it. And so if a site didn't instantly make a bunch of money, I moved on. I would completely ditch it and just move on to something else and start completely over. And the result for me was that I'd work day and night, long hours, you know, frustrated, all that, building new thing after new thing, chasing idea after idea and getting nowhere. I was spinning my wheels, going 100 miles an hour, getting nowhere. And that is actually the reason, that's actually how I got good at web development. That's a, That was what got me into coding because I was building all these websites and I wanted to do things that I couldn't do through the website builder that I was using. And so I started looking into, at first it was just simple stuff, you know, HTML and CSS tweaks. And then eventually I started wanting to do more dynamic things. And then the whole web 2.0 thing kind of hit. And so I wanted to start learning how to do that. And it was because of that, of built just building sites, a different site almost every month, that I got good at coding. And... I eventually kind of woke up and came to realize that that was the part that I actually enjoyed was the website building part. I I got more joy out of that than I did actually once it was built, you know, trying to run it and make it profitable. I just like building it and seeing what I could do. And so uh, eventually I just decided, screw it. (laughs) I've got nothing to lose at this point. Literally none of this other stuff has worked. So let me try and do this web development thing. I've gotten pretty good at it. Let me try and see see if I can do this and make a living doing this. And now here I am over 11 years later still at it. So the point is focusing on results and solely on results is it will cost you. You know the pressure, the anxiety that Joe Madden mentioned in his answer plus you likely won't get the result that you're focused on. And that makes all of it worse. It makes you more frustrated. 
it, it makes you bounce from thing to thing even more. And so when you focus on the result, you you get really, really, really frustrated and annoyed and think about giving up, and you probably don't get the result, so it makes it all just 10 times worse. To use a basketball analogy, it's more about taking good shots and having good form, not necessarily about how many of those shots go in. Yes, the result ultimately is what matters, but you don't get there if that's all you focus on. So for you and applying this to your career, the biggest piece of advice that I can give you, if you're resonating with everything that I'm saying right now, if this kind of resembles or you feel like this is kind of what you're going through right now, the biggest piece of advice that I can give you is to slow down to stop trying to go so fast, to stop trying to get there right now. This is actually why uh, I didn't advise this at first, but I, I really do now. For people who are getting into web development, if you haven't got clients or actually got uh, landed a job, an IT job somewhere, I recommend if you have a job now, staying at that job. Simply so you can put food on the table and you're not in this kind of <laughs> hyperactive, got to figure something out now, got to make money now type mindset. That mindset is what really drive. I know for me, that's what really drove me from to, to bounce from thing to thing and to spin my wheels and try to, if it didn't make money right away, I had to move on because I needed to put food on the table. I needed to pay bills. Uh, and so I didn't have, you know, different times I kind of bounced around at jobs, but it, I didn't have a job that I could kind of fall back on or, or, or do that. I think it's much better to stay with your job or if you don't have one now to get kind of a more regular job and then do this kind of thing on the side. Now you need to need to be strategic about it, right? Don't get a job where you're going to have to work 80 hours a week because then you're going to have no time to <laughs> to 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 learn the IT side of it. So you need to balance it, but I think you're in a much better mindset, a much more patient mindset if you've got food on the table, you got bill pays, you just don't like doing it. There's still that thorn in your side of I don't like doing this, so it keeps you motivated, but you're not in just panic mode and freak out mode 24/7. So slow down, stop trying to go so fast, and actually take some time to think through some of the stuff that we talk about here on the show. So what you really want, right? Because a lot of the reason why some of the things that I tried initially never stuck is because I didn't I didn't really care about those things. I mean, I, didn't, I did a little yoga, but I didn't care about yoga. I didn't care about MySpace. I didn't care about, you know, couponing for local business. I didn't care about a lot of that stuff. So I didn't stick with it because I really wasn't passionate about it. I believe the reason that I've stuck with coding as long as I have is because I enjoy building things. That for me it's it's even less about the code. It's, you know, even around my house at times like I don't like doing it all the time because I've done a lot of it, but doing some DIY and building things that way. I enjoy doing that. I used to work construction when I was younger and I enjoyed while, you know, some of the day in day out stuff could be really uh <laughs> really annoying and, and, and hard to deal with getting to the end result and seeing it all done was very, very satisfying. And so the, I think the reason why I've stuck with coding as long as I have is because I enjoy building things. Now that doesn't have to be the exact reason why you like it. 
But you have to make sure that whatever you're doing, there's something about it and that's in it that you really enjoy and, and that you're really passionate about. And you have to take some time to actually stop and think about that. If all you're focused on is the money, the income, the lifestyle, etc., then you are liable to say, oh, that other stuff doesn't matter. I don't need to worry about that stuff. All I need to worry about is whether it's going to make me money or not. And what I've found is that the truth is if you're not you know, passionate about it in some way, if you're not talented in some way, you know, if it's not something that you get joy out of, you never really get to the money part of it. Okay, so again, take some time to think this through, what you really want. Find your niche in this whole large web development community. Think about the kind of end results you can and want to deliver and get good at that. Be methodical about planning this out. It's easy to get frustrated and impatient. It's easy to bounce from thing to thing. There's always some you know, shiny new technology or language that you can get wrapped up in. That's a big part of the reason why uh, I advise not getting too wrapped up in any of these things. It's not because they won't necessarily become important in the future, but I'm more concerned about right now. I'm more concerned about what you need to do right now. And it's just too easy to be out there chasing all these shiny new things. What matters, what you need to do is focus and stay patient. Focus on the fundamentals. And as you probably have heard any sports coach say, stay the course. Now, again, I believe the fundamentals. uh, When I say focus on fundamentals, you might ask, well, what are those? I I believe there's kind of three main things. So the first one I've I've kind of alluded to, but is your niche. And really what I'm talking about is the end result that you can deliver to people. Now, it's not learning a thousand different skills or a bunch of different languages. It's about learning this one end result first, a contact form, a membership site, a social network, or, or whatever it is. From really, really simple stuff all the way up to really, really advanced stuff, whatever one that you you know you you like to build, you enjoy digging into, one that you have some talent in that you can actually do something and having something unique to offer right uh, and, and figuring out what that is for you and then learning the skills to get really, really good at it. That's the technical skill part of it, and it's all around your niche the end result that you can deliver. So that's the first kind of fundamental. And that takes some time stepping back and and just thinking about things for a little bit. What do I want to do? What am I good at? What is something I can do over and over and over again and not just get incredibly bored with it? Right? That, That takes a little bit of thought. So that's the first fundamental. Second one, I kind of wrap all together under the, the made up word work withedness. And so I'm talking about the soft skills like communication, being reliable, being hardworking, being easy to work with, etc. All of those things, all those soft skills in how you relate to a client or to a boss or to a customer. This is a lot this is this is a fairly big problem in the web development community. A lot of uh web developers don't communicate really well. They tend to you know, get into a project and they kind of go into a cave and you don't hear from them and client makes clients really antsy. It makes bosses really antsy. So, you know, it's that's a problem in our community. 
you know, reliability can be a problem. There's plenty of developers out there that'll flake out on projects. There's plenty of developers out there that are kind of know-it-alls and they're not very easy to work with and so forth. So these, these, this area is kind of a problem in the web development community. It's getting better, but it's still, I would say, a fairly significant problem. So if you can be good at it, if you can be the opposite, it not be a problem for you, that's actually a unique advantage. And it can often override technical skill. People go with someone who's more reliable over someone who's really, really talented, but completely flaky most of the time. So Again, that's the second fundamental. I wrap it up again, call it work withness. And then the third one is the one that so many people in the development community to are community are averse to, which is selling yourself, whether that's selling yourself to clients to get work, whether that's selling yourself in an application in an interview to get hired, or whether that's selling the app or the the product that you create from your coding skills. There's an element of needing to be able to sell yourself and and don't think oh I can just get hired at some big tech company and I won't have to worry about that that's not true you know my little brother I used this example before he was hired at IBM and at IBM you are basically put into like a pool and you have to go out and actually bid on the different jobs that IBM has available and there's managers of those jobs and those managers have to put you on that project. So you have to sell yourself. And a lot of, there's a number of tech companies that work this way. And even if they're not explicitly that way, there's still always an element of a manager, a project manager is going to pick the people that they want to work with. And so there's always an element of selling yourself. Or if you want to get a raise, you have to sell yourself. Or if you want to move to another company, you're going to have to go back through the interview process and, and sell yourself again. So no matter what you do, you are always going to have to, at some point, eventually sell yourself. So you have to have, you don't need to be, you know, Shady McCoy out there, uh, you know, being the slick salesman to sell yourself. There's some fundamentals of just knowing how to be persuasive. Nothing over the top, nothing crazy, but just some basic things that you can do in order to be persuasive and sell yourself. So that's another fundamental. So I think those are the three key fundamentals. You're your niche slash technical skill, your work withness, and your ability to sell yourself. Those are the things that you should be focused on. You do those things, you really dive into to getting good at those things. The money, the lifestyle, the prestige, the whatever you're after, whatever you want coding to bring to you, that stuff will come. Right? Your focus needs to be on, on those fundamentals. So that's hopefully the lesson that 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 you can draw from, you know, my story, from the Cub story, and from the things that Joe Madden had to say, uh, and can apply to your web development career. So hopefully you found uh, that useful. Again, as I mentioned in the last podcast, if you do me a favor, and if you would share this lesson with other developers, again, I don't mean you have to share the podcast with them. You know, it's not a pitch for that. If you want to do that, if that's easier, that's fine. That's why part of why I make these. But really sharing the lesson, the broader lesson, you know, that uh, bouncing from thing to thing, being focused on the result is going to lead you down a path that's really, really frustrating. Because there's so many developers out there who kind of tend to fall for those traps. 
and I obviously can't reach all of them. So, uh, you know, I want you to kind of spread this message and share this with other people, you know, whether it's other developers, you know, personally groups that you might happen to be in so forth, uh, get out there and share this message with them and, and, and pass this kind of teaching onto them as well. You can use the examples I've used here. You can create your own, whatever, but again, I'd really appreciate it if you'd share the lesson itself with them. All right, coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into another comment, uh, from one of the listeners of the show that again, I think it, it's from the last episode where, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about fear and how fear can hold you back. And so one of our, our listeners kind of laid out their story and I think you can find it motivating. You can find again, some stuff that will help you on your path as well. So I wanted to share that with you. So we're going to get into that in the next segment. You're listening to John Moore show. JohnMorrisOnline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again. But there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't, you simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place. Instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, we're going to get into your comments and questions. 
And this one, the one we're going to go in today comes from Raul over on Patreon. And he says, and this is this is a, a comment on my last uh, last episode of the show where I talked about overcoming fear and talked about some of the things that I went through and some of the things that you can do to to get over your fear of putting yourself out there. Because I think so many developers, they have the skill, right? They have all the skills necessary. They just are scared. And so they convince themselves that they need to learn more before they can put themselves out there. You might call it failure to launch uh, in developer sense. But I find a lot of developers do that. And so we use Samsung as an example of why you really shouldn't be that scared. And so Raul kind of responded to that. And he said, John hit the nail right in the head in regards to fear. I can say for myself that when it came to learning the technical skills necessary for me to do the web design work I do now, it probably took me around a month or two to build my skills to a competent level when it came to my kind of designs. But what held me back from actually getting clients was the the fear described in this episode. I'll never forget one of the John Morris shows many months back when John interviewed a consultant for a Fortune 500 company and how he said the mental barriers would be one of the toughest challenging challenges to entering freelance work. So that's the interview I did with Michael Phoenix, who's my brother. I talked about him working at IBM and then he moved through that onto a Fortune uh one of I think it's Fortune's 500 fastest growing companies, um, you know, as a six-figure consultant now, and and that was one of the things that he brought up was, uh, you know, that the mental things are going to be some of the toughest challenges you face, which I 100% agree with. So our rule continues on. Honestly, I laughed when I heard that part because at that point in time, I underestimated just how much fear would hold me back after I would build slash acquire the necessary skills to deliver web design type work. Just as, again, as a side note here, I imagine, you know, I get some some of that reaction, but I imagine there's a lot more out there that I don't see because, you know, I get people who will say, you know, uh, you know, you talk about this same stuff kind of over and over again, you harp on this stuff and, you know, I want to learn this, that, or the other. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, let, where are you at? Like, and I'll, I'll dive into kind of what they're dealing with or whatever. And so often what I find is people will in their mind, they'll hold up this, this one thing as what's holding them back as their problem. And it'll be some skill. I really want to know how to, you know, to, to interact with MySQL databases. You know, that's, that's what's holding me back. I don't know how to do this thing. And pretty much every time someone tells me it's a skill, they don't know a XYZ skill that's holding them back, that's their problem. I know, again, from having been through it, having talked to people, comments like this from Raul, that that's not really the case. That that's, that's kind of what they've put up as what they think is their obstacle, but really it comes down to fear. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people who, when they hear that for the first time, that the mental blocks, the fear, things like that are going to be the biggest challenges you face. They kind of laugh until you get into it and then you'd experience it. And then you start to realize, man, these are the things that do really hold me back. So he continues on. Now I have no, by no means completely abolished my fear, but I have a more refined view of fear and I use it to motivate myself to learn more in regards to my career and to take more risks when it comes to putting myself out there. As a result, I can proudly say I finally landed my first client to pay over $1,000, 
and I got him through local means. And based on our current conversation, he tells me there are some other clients he would really think that I'm a good fit for that he knows in other states. Now, as an introvert, it's more than a little out of my comfort zone to call potential clients, explain my value proposition, etc. But it was a hurdle that I had to get over if I wanted to progress. It's taking me more than a year to get to this point, and I still have a long way to go. But listening slash applying John's techniques and seeing the results helps reinforce that I'm in the right direction. Uh, long story short, don't underestimate fear, but don't let it be the one reason why you feel this industry isn't for you. And I mean, it, exactly right. It's it's very exciting to hear that he was able to overcome his fear. And and I've always I've said for a while now the local local market, like local businesses and web development. Yeah, depending on maybe where you are, but I would, you know, if you're in a fairly decent sized city, I would say most cities, it's it's ripe for the picking. You know, because the local restaurant, the local haircut place, you know, the local auto shop, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not these big online businesses. They just know they need to have a website so people can find them when they do a Google search, right? So they don't think about it a ton necessarily. They don't put a ton into it. But if you can show them a real problem, and mobile is such an easy one to show people. If someone has a site that's not mobile responsive or doesn't look very even, it tries to be, but it doesn't work very well, and you can go to them and say, look, you know, X number of searches done on, that people do locally are done on mobile. So let's just say it's 50%. I don't know if the number's offhand. 50% of searches, you know, 50% of the people that are searching for an auto body shop here in in our area are going to use their phone and if your site looks like crap on a a phone google can know that and they're probably not even going to rank you but if they do rank you this is what they're going to see so do you think those people are going to come visit your you know auto body shop or your restaurant or whatever like that's such an easy sell to to local businesses so i've said for a long time it's a very very easy market that's kind of ripe for the picking the problem is, is that you do have to, you got to make phone calls, you got to send emails, you got to show up in person, etc. And I've talked about in past episodes, different ways of doing that. Go back, do the 10 episode challenge if you want to, to, to find some of those episodes. But I've talked about how to do that, but there's a, there's a much bigger fear element there. And so a lot of people just don't do it. Now, if you're someone who can get yourself to do it, again, that's an advantage for you because there's a lot of developers out there who just will never get over that. And so it's just something that's really right for the picking. So it's exciting to hear him say that he was able to get over that and now landed his first client that's going to pay over $1,000. Now, again, for for some, depending on where you live or where you are, how old you are, where you're at in your career, you know, some people might look at $1,000 and go, eh, but there's other people who look at $1,000 and go, wow, that's that's amazing. That's a ton uh, of money for my situation. You know, I think back to when I was just out of college, right? I didn't make much more than a thousand dollars a month right out of, uh, you know, coming out of college. And so being able to do that, doing web design at that time would have been a huge thing for me. So, and you know, likely he'll just continue to grow from there. That's just the start. So it's very exciting to hear that. And again, as he said, it's the mental things. It's the fear 
those can be the biggest uh, roadblocks out there. And so if that's something that you're resonating with, like that's something that you feel like you're struggling with, I highly recommend and go going back and listening to the last episode, the one right before this, where I talk about that fear and some of the, the lessons that I've learned and the things that I was able to do to overcome my own fears. Hopefully those things can help you to do the same things. Sounds like Raul uh, has, has learned from them as well. You know, these are things I've talked about before, right? So it's, again, for some of you, it may not be this brand new revolutionary thing, but if you're still struggling with that fear, you're still not putting yourself out there. It might be worth hearing it again. This might be the time that it clicks for you and you're able to see what to do in order to get through it. Right? So what matters isn't some brand new revolutionary shiny new idea what matters is am i implementing it and am i am i getting results am i actually getting over my fear etc all right i'll wrap it up there that'll do it for this episode i want to thank you for listening if you like this episode be sure to like it or leave me uh, a nice review over on itunes that helps the show grow and that makes me feel good so i'd appreciate that uh, if you know somebody who'd benefit from hearing this as i mentioned earlier you know, share this lesson. If you want to share this episode, that'd be awesome. I'd really appreciate that. Or just share the lesson overall with them. Again, I'd greatly appreciate that. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much all of the different podcast uh, avenues that are available out there. If you go to johnmorrisonline.com slash podcast, you can find all of those links, back episodes, and so forth. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.